Deus Volt. Deus Volt. My... Just dropping things. Yeah, no, not dropping lights. Shorter Roman You need to get Batman to design you a better cassock. Uh, she actually tightened up the Velcro in this. She's my, my Joan Felicia is, is your father Alfred. is my Lucius Fox. Oh, nice. <laughs> there you go. Oh, I like that. I like that better. Yeah. Uh, Dad's like the Alfred Pennyworth. And... I just started off Deus Volt and Stevens over here stretching and something falls out of his sleeve. Yeah. No, just like, you know, Rocky and Bullwinkle. Nothing up my sleeve. Nothing up my sleeve here. And not anymore. Anyway. Don't know my own strength. Anyways, <laughs> no doubt about it. I gotta get me a new hat. <laughs> and now for something completely different. All right, you actually came here to listen to us talk. Apparently, this Again, is a thing we do, and and we're, uh, we swear we're not going to do Rocky and Bullwinkle all night. Do but... we've done Rocky and Bullwinkle once before, or twice? I feel like we might have just it in might... passing. Yeah, there's not there's not a whole lot of tropes you can pull from that. But no, uh, not really. I don't yes. know how they got away with that. Honestly, yeah, <laughs> Natasha, shut up in your mouth. Uh, did he say that, Natasha? Uh, yeah, the Boris Badenov. Yeah, yeah. He said that to Natasha all the time. Oh wow, that's rough. Shut up in your mouth. Yeah, oh. it was. Yeah, you know. Not an ideal cartoon, honestly. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> again, like, how did we... Oh, well, whatever. How are no, you? Uh, We're good, fine here. Good, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's our usual. That's our usual. No, it's good. It's good, it's good, it's good. Welcome yeah. back to the Deus Folk Cave, Father Stephen. Yeah, are we ever moving downstairs? Oh, we have plans. Oh. I have, we have ways of making you talk. All right, all right. Uh, Keep no, your so. secrets. <laughs> I'll actually discuss that with you after this uh, recording. After this podcast. I'm sorry, my phone's blowing You're up. You're a priest. Yeah, it's, it's I know. Part of that whole life. It's, Although it's it's a little concerning to me when you've gotten you've gotten to the point where you have three phones with you now. Yeah, don't don't ask about that. <laughs> this, this. You have your work phone. You have I have your other work. Phone, I've got my work phone. I got my personal have... phone, and I've got the hospital phone. Oh, jeez. And uh, just the way it is today. Yeah. But no, it's fine. It's I used to wear. I used to have a bunch of radio. I used to wear three radios. I think even sometimes four. Uh, when I was in that other place. <laughs> Did anyone ever order a Big Mac on one of them? Or No, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I talked to F-16s and stuff. That's about the same thing. The, well, you land a Big Mac right over there in the mountains. That's what I was ordering <laughs> up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very dark humor. Okay, uh, yeah. great. Father Stephen, what do you got for us tonight? <laughs> well, on that happy note, I thought we would talk about Afghanistan. Oh. Yeah, I, know, I should have right? guessed. Uh, yes, Father Stephen comes in 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 a in a slightly like off mode, which is it's amazing how I can tell that you are my friend after all. And I'm like, what's bugging him? I'm like, oh, now you say that, I'm like, oh, duh. Like, of course, Afghanistan's bugging you. Well, so yeah. no, just a little bit. So let's again, and like this is why it's actually uh, this is either Keaton Keaton responding to the text you just sent father keaton lockwood or um or or your mother because i yeah. just got a dinner uh invitation from daniel oh, speaking of mothers don't don't da- tell don't tell them all our plans well i'm not gonna, gonna say do, when or where gonna i'm show just, up at you're someplace we're not gonna say when or where <laughs> jeez brother the anyway afghanistan oh yeah no okay the well like that's the thing is why do i keep looking down at my phone yeah, Dan, like the last four days, five days, Talking like all, all of my buddies are calling. Oh, yeah. And everybody, like it, it's very strange. Big events happen. And for the most part, I find most human beings are isolated away from them. You know, like what impact does this really have on me kind of thing? Right. And I think the recent news with the fall of Afghanistan uh, to the Taliban again – the 
like I think everybody sort of has that in the back of their head. I mean, some sometimes like big news is big news and not just what they're trying to sell you to mm-hmm. pay attention to for the next two hours. And so you sort of ask yourself, well, what does this mean for me, for my country, for the world? Great questions. Great questions everyone should ask. And then there's that part that's like intimately connected. Like imagine being a New Yorker when 9-11-2001 actually does occur. Or imagine having family who was in the World Trade Center yeah. and whether or not they got off. Or, or uh, again, you can go down the list. Hurricanes. Uh, right. You know, yeah, Katrina. And Katrina, all that, natural right? disasters, man-made yeah. tragedies, um, great acts of heroism. Different things like that. People have – there are actual people involved in these things. Right. Well, again, and I can't imagine, I can't imagine being, you know, somebody who was sort of around during the time of September 11th, um, you know, 20, 20 years ago, 20 years ago, I know, 20 years ago. And now we're watching, and someone, I I had a friend, I was talking with a friend about, about this very thing, Hmm. um, a couple of nights ago, uh, and just like the, the stark, like crazy juxtaposition of now planes flying out of Afghanistan, people climbing on the planes and, and falling, falling from the planes. Just like they fell out of the World Trade Center. Or out of, yeah, I mean. Mm-hmm. No, like the juxtaposition is, is unreal. Uh, yeah. It's unreal. And the, and so like, and then there's that, I don't want to say, well, yeah, I will say something like this. Like the country is to some degree in an existential crisis. Yeah. Like what does it mean to be uh in the United States. What does it mean to be the United States? What does it mean to be a United States citizen? Right. And honestly, like we should be asking those questions. Right. But almost like, I want to just take a moment to like mourn on air. Almost, almost. Again, you'll see where I'm going with this. But let me just sum up like the last four or five days. Right. Speaking of existential crises, like people are, soldiers in particular, because there's been about, I think it's like 800,000 US military personnel and government contractors have been in Afghanistan over the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. And so that's, I mean, again, in a population, what are we, 330 million or something in this country? That's not, that's not gigantic by any stretch, but it's not insignificant to to some degree. Mm -hmm. And everyone has their own experiences of that. Mm -hmm. And if you were a combat trooper, or even if you were combat support, and you're doing work like that. Or even if you're just in the military, I had someone send me a text message and they were very kind. They were actually worried, not worried, but they were, they were reaching out to see if I was okay because they know know me. And they've never, I don't believe they've ever been to Afghanistan, this, this, this person I went to uh, the academy with. Mm-hmm. And, and they said, are you okay? And I said, oh, well, you know, uh, I suppose as well as can be expected, all things considered. Right. Uh, other people are taking it a lot harder, a lot harder than me. And I said, how are you? Uh, even though this person had never, again, I'm pretty sure they've never been to Afghanistan. Although, again, I don't, I could be wrong, uh, but I'm pretty sure. And that person said, well, you know, we, we in, in talking about our whole class and, and every, the, the, the crew sort of we hang with, we've always, like the war has defined us. And, and now that it's quote unquote over in, in such a miserable fashion, uh, they're like, I don't even know what to feel right now. And then they said, but I have my son. And so they got the, the new kid. And I have my husband. And I still have my work. And that's sort of like enough for me right now to like center me, right. to hold on to. Mm-hmm. 
And and then there are other guys who are, who, yeah, like it throws into, and it's a very strange question to ask yourself. It, it really, because it feels almost very personal. And, you know, like, oddly enough, like, because we didn't win, like, was it worth it? What we did, you know, people died that we know. And people gave their lives. And, and you know, and I gave my all, so to speak. And I'm speaking for my boys and, and the people I know. And and this this hurts. It's a and and so I find myself and I switch into priest mode when I I get those kind of calls, mm -hmm. and and I I talk them through. I said, look, I said, here's here's the truth of it. I say you could be dead tomorrow, like you could be dead tonight. For all I know, for all we know, I could be dead tonight. Like you, God doesn't tell us how long we have to live, and. Yeah. Again, not to not to go touching, all Lord of the Rings. Uh, touching the vocation story a bit there. Well, know? yeah, but yeah. but honestly, this is everyone's vocation story. Right. And to steal a line from Lord of the Rings, you know, what matters is what we do with the time we're given right. in the place we are. So God's not going to look at you if you were to die tonight and say to you, you know, did you win the war in Afghanistan uh, <laughs> or, or did you lose? Like that's not it's not like his qualification for you and your life. Like, if you had died the day before Afghanistan fell, it wouldn't have been, per se, entirely on your radar. And, like, and it wouldn't matter a hill of beans. What he'll ask you is, were you trying to do my will? Mm -hmm. And how well did you do it? And when you didn't do it as well as you could have, did you apologize to me? Right. And, like, those are, the, those are like, the key stipulations to everyone's life. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's so important to have faith and to have, like, a trust in in the savior of humanity, in Jesus Christ, in that sort yeah. of redemptive suffering. That's sort of an amazing thing. I didn't think mm -hmm. about it that way before, maybe, that that somehow, you know, the thing that you pour your entire life into that is your vocation, lowercase v, vocation, sure, sure, sure. right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, if something fails with it, if you, if there is not faith, if there is not some, some deeper underlying meaning, uh, it can kind of, I imagine it, I imagine that's the source of what everyone's I mean, what most people's loss is with with this this recent occurrence with Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, there it is. Is like, what does it mean to be an American? Right. And patriotism, love of country, is still relatively strong in America. It's not as strong as it once was twenty years ago. Sure, but but like people want to take pride in their country. People people want to take pride in their teams. They want to take pride in their home right. for crying out loud, and then their brother citizens. And and the question is sort of like, oh. And again, I'm not saying this is like entirely the case, but there's a lot of like, oh, if this was God for me, mm -hmm. my God failed. Mm -hmm. And what kind of God fails? Right. Not a real one. Right. And then then that throws, and then hence the existential crisis. Hence right. like, what is the point of existence and well, how I've, have I been perceiving existence? Or either you land in faith, like, because that's the only thing that you can possibly land in, or you land in, you know, something dark. You know? Oh, Yeah. Well, so. I mean, how do I put this? Um, I, I mean, I'll just be brutal, the relatively brutal. Trust me, I'll, <laughs> I'll leave out all the sure gory details. But I mean, suicide in the military has been a hidden epidemic since probably like two thousand five, two thousand six, mm. and and it's something that just it, it's known. It's kind of sort of occasionally talked about, but nobody actually does anything, and no one wants to actually get down to the root base of it. And what the root base has always been is, is something along these lines, because I had to deal with a handful of suicides 
when I was a, uh, two to be precise, when I was an officer in Alaska. And what it seemed to be was the, the soldiers would come home and, and then they would encounter a tragedy in their life. Uh, say, for instance, uh, they would lose someone that they loved or they would be betrayed by somebody that they loved. Mm-hmm. And then, then, they would, then they would die to suicide. And what was that? I think, as I, as I pondered it, as I tried to make sense of it, I think it was the fact that they had made, and I don't know, but again, but like, just because it's so epidemic, was that like they had a sense of mission and purpose. And then, and, and you know, and you need something. Soldiers fight not necessarily because they hate what's in front of them, but because they love what's behind them. Mm-hmm. And then they, the, these idols they had made out of their life. Uh, and again, I don't mean that cruelly or anything like that. They weren't worshiping it. They weren't hopping around a statue, cutting themselves. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry, the prophets of Baal, yeah, I'm referencing right. there. Um, Should have brought your... <laughs> Elijah statue with you. Ah, oh, I love that statue. <laughs> Anyways, but the um, but but like, there's a danger in making your your life your god, or even your family your god. As good as it is to take care of people, again, like they're just people. It doesn't fill that infinite hole. So when when you lose that that main part of what you think is life, and if you don't have anything larger to hold on to, right? And again, I'm just speculating here, but like this is. And, and and your your mind has been thrown into a much grander grander sense of the world because you've been in in Afghanistan you've been in combat and you've seen how everybody else lives in a manner of speaking and you know that that like there's such a thing as virtue and pain and sacrifice even though you don't necessarily know what the source of all that is right and you say well at least i have my center back home hmm. and then you come home and that disappears too Right. Like then then you can in a very dark place ask yourself the question, well, what is the point? And then you have to and then you have to land on faith. And then you have to look at it and say, you know, there is more like my ultimate purpose I do not derive from from anything in this world. It has to be almost beyond me. And even though the things that happen in this world are important, right. They are only important in so much as they relate back to the infinite, back to to the deity, the real deity. Right. Anyways, so that was a that was an interesting sidebar. But the mm-hmm. no, I I don't know, just bear with me, Dan. Like I wanted to sort of remember uh this place where like so much of my life mm-hmm. um has been influenced from. Right. And like I, I was reflecting on it uh, a little bit through the day, and like there are key moments in like my faith that stand out in this in this place. And again, you can listen to my vocation story, and, and you'll get like a very key moment there. So I won't rehash that one, but but uh, that was where I really come came to have this good understanding of how one was supposed to be tied into the divine mm-hmm. and and how one should just do his will no matter what that is, even if it's not going according to your plan. Okay, fine. But then there's just like these other little gems, these other like moments. For instance, I remember Ash Wednesday hmm. um, in my first deployment in Afghanistan in 09. And 
like we talk about it here, like, you know, everybody shows up to get their ashes mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And so I, I happen to be, I can't even remember why, because again, this was over a decade ago now. Right. Um, yeah, that's ridiculous. Holy smokes, I'm old. Yep. The, uh, yeah, hey, quiet you. <laughs> Kid over here listening. <laughs> yeah, back in my day. Yeah. So there I was. Over a decade ago, I was in high school. So. Yeah, no, I was in, I was in Coast Province, whatever that's worth to anybody listening. Yeah. Uh, the P2K region, RC East, and, um, our main forward operating base that would supply our combat outpost was FOB Salerno. And so I was back there for some reason or other, and I can't remember what. But I remember walking by the chapel, and it was, for all intents and purposes, in my mind, as the base was laid out, it was in the center. Honestly, it was the chapel. And then mm. right across from the chapel, uh, you know, oh, gosh, I can't even think of my directions on that map. I'd be really curious now. But, you know, like off to, let's say, the east was... And within close order was was like the mess hall, mm-hmm. and then to the to the south was uh, like the uh, the the gym, and and the chapel was this little thing. It wasn't very big. It was probably no bigger than oh I don't know like two rooms in this rectory put okay. together. Okay, and non denominational chapel. Everybody used it. Uh, and I remember walking in. So like four hundred square feet or something like that. Yeah, something like that. And I remember walking in, and it was Ash Wednesday. It was night, and I like literally, I hadn't been in the. We we'd been working all day. I think we were picking up supplies or something. And I was like, you know what? I'll just poke my head. I'm here, and there's a Catholic chaplain here, right? And I I I found him, like he was there. And again, like it was such like a hmm. like a standard. <laughs> want to be good but bad catholic practice i was like hey can i have ashes and again there was no service there's nothing and he says yeah sure and he like goes him back and he gets the ashes out and he smears them on my forehead and i couldn't have been happier dad yeah like it was like this amazing well i don't know how to even describe it it was like this amazing poignant touching moment of like home of home of like touching your tradition Mm-hmm. Of like, or, or or being touched by your tradition, truly is what it was, mm-hmm. and and I remember like those ashes on my forehead, and, it, and I didn't even really have a very good sense of, of a deeper theology, or like even that it was like tied into like death and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. It was just superficial and shallow as it was. This encounter, um, it was comfort. Sure. And and I remember the second deployment, which was in 2012. I I remember um <laughs> I, I was captain then. There's a ca- uh, another Catholic, a lieutenant, who was on my outpost with me then. Uh we were in Boritana. And good Irish Catholic. What was his name? <laughs> I'll leave it out. Anyways. But I, I can think of it too. Anyways, real Irish, real Irish name. I sure. loved him to death. Big mm-hmm. guy too, strong. Uh, I think he went SF after that. Uh, very capable guy. Uh, SF means special forces. Sure. And I uh, use infantry, and he was dirt tired. He sort of had thrown himself down in the uh, the tactical operations center, the talk, and which is where all our our computers are humming away in this big cardboard box we built, well plywood box, and like and you do all the work. It's one of the few places that's also air conditioned, so your electronics don't overheat. Gotcha. And 
Although we had air conditioning, I think we had managed to get air conditioning into the into the bays too, um, into the soldiers' barracks. But there he is. He throws himself down. And he's just tired, mm-hmm. and he's not. It, it's been just a rough go. We're not getting along with with higher ups, and like he just looked at me, and I just looked at him, and we weren't close friends or anything. Um, but like like in his eyes, like I saw like. Like just the perfect exhaustion and hatred of life uh, that was like kicking him in the teeth. Sure. And and again, like this wasn't anything like an official blessing, but it reminds me so much of the ashes that I had received the first deployment. And I leaned over the computer row of banks and I put my hand on his freaking head and I, I traced the cross on his forehead and he just smiled and I just smiled and, and I got out of there. Hmm. But it was like the funniest sort of like like i understood the cross as i said not not all that well but like suddenly i knew the meaning of that symbol in a much richer way than just like oh yeah that's the symbol of christianity it is but why Mm -hmm. and and like there's this brief moment of like yeah suck it up and offer it up kind of thing redemptive suffering yeah and again that was by then the boys had known that i i i was That I, I seem to be definitely heading towards the priesthood. And so sometimes they would call me Crucifier 40 on the radio. Crucifier 40. Or, or Priest 40. Uh-huh. And uh, and it was just funny. And, like sometimes the boss would... <laughs> the boss, uh, the commander of, of Boritana would would... Thank God, like, I don't think the translators ever managed to properly express what he was trying to express. Thank God. Uh-huh. We'd be like, oh, yeah, we're talking to, like, Afghan locals. And this man's planning on going back home and being a priest. And it's like, yeah, that's great. Let's just throw that out there and see how that goes down with the locals. Why yeah. not? We're trying to make friends. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. The local Muslims. Yeah, I know. It was, <laughs> you're like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. like he thought yeah. it was interesting. But, like, sometimes you just got to know your audience. Yeah. Didn't. Well, and there it was. Some, and, like, this is the other thing, too. Like, I would – this was gutsy of me. Speaking of, like, maybe not the best thing to do amongst the local Muslim population. But I – I don't know what it was. Well, I had a, I had a set of rosary beads. Interestingly enough, from that person who called me um, just the other day and, and asked me how I was doing. Mm-hmm. And they had brought them back from Argentina. They've oh, wow. been down in Argentina for something or other. And, I, and they said, you want anything from there, like a souvenir? I said, bring me back rosary beads. And they, cool. they were red. They were wood. Mm-hmm. And I uh, – so in Afghanistan, like all the, all the Afghans are praying prayer beads all the times. I think it's something like you're supposed to recite the 88 names of God or something like that. Don't quote me on the number. But like that's how the Muslims pray on their prayer beads is they're, sure. they're reciting the names of Allah, different titles. And – it's like and a litany. It is, honestly. Yeah. Um, and what I did was I took the rosary and I tied it into my belt loop and I threw that in my pocket. And nobody, that was the thing, like nobody realized. Like one of my colonels saw me, he's like, oh my, my God, you've gone native. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> and then um, 
Uh, and then like the Afghans occasionally would see them and I was like, oh, I'm in, I might be in trouble if they, and they're like, oh, prayer beads, prayer beads. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's what those are. That is, and they, that they are is not, what they are. They are not wrong. But, <laughs> yeah. but like there it was, was like, this was my way of, again, like a sense of identity, uh-huh. a connection to something that was beyond me and even beyond my uniform and my mm-hmm. country mm-hmm. was like these ancient Christian symbols and the cross. And I always kept it with me. It's where I developed my my real devotion to uh, to Saint Barbara. Truly, hmm. again, the chaplain. I think it was a Mormon chaplain. I love I love the U.S. Army. It's a very interesting place. <laughs> but like he was handing out medals of Saint Barbara to huh. to us because we were we were artillerymen, and there and so go. that's where I got mine. And yeah. I did the same thing with it as I did with the prayer beats. Was I I took a um. Oh, whatever it was, a, uh, a dog tag chain. Mm-hmm. And I ran it through the metal. And then I put it through a belt loop on my left-hand side, I'm pretty sure. And I put that in my pocket. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't it wouldn't go anywhere or fall out or th- anything like that. And that's where I kept my St. Barbara medal. And anytime I put my hand in my pocket to get, I don't know, whatever, like I would touch that metal and my mind would sort of be drawn back to her. Mm-hmm. And again, like, it's a very poor way to pray. Like again, but like like I'm 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 going for scraps here, kind of thing. Listen to the and, Sacramentals episode last time. Yeah, you know, yeah, it, honestly. There it is. And there it was. Yeah. And there it was. And I was I was like that was that was like part of it. I mean you're just gonna walk down memory lane with me, aren't you? Holy smokes. Well, <laughs> I don't have any military experience. <laughs> well, I don't know. You have any questions? I mean, I've been I've been trying to see a way to jump in with it. It's sort of funny. Um, huh. So I was I was in the classroom today teaching the eighth grade. Oh yeah, and me too. What did you teach? I taught them about leadership. What well, you teach? So they I had mentioned in passing my last time I was in in the classroom that I had been to Rome a couple times. Yeah. Um, and so they were like, "We want to hear about Rome." Yeah. And so there, the Vatican has these really, really great virtual tours that you can that you can. We find. made arrangements. One of my parishioners' sister is a, a tour guide in Italy. She married an Italian. Well, by that I just mean to say they have these really awesome, like like three D scrollable oh, you know, okay. images online. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So you can like go into St. Peter's and like zoom around and look at everything around you. Very from, cool. from multiple positions within the basilica. Mm-hmm. So. We're basically going to go through the four major basilicas. Today we went through St. Peter's. And, and That's began. really cool. Yeah. I'm going to steal that idea. Yeah. But before class began, I I, um, I had a handful of extra rosaries. Um, and I had another an extra one of those, um, hmm. the combat rosaries. You know? Oh, nice. Battle beads. Or, yeah, um, yeah. But they're based on the World War One rosaries, right. the metal ones. They're exactly. wonderful. They're yeah. wonderful. So I had a couple. I had a, actually, I had been gifted a couple of them, and I'm like, I already have one, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I have a bunch of extra rosaries sitting around in here. And I was just like, you know what? I bet that there are some kids, even in my eighth grade classes, still don't have who, a rosary. who don't own a rosary themselves. Mm-hmm. And I was like, we're gonna fix that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is this is this is tying into our sacramentals episode a little bit, but. Uh, but it's it's sort of funny. I remember look, looking down and seeing like you know military beads on the pouch and mm-hmm. like putting that down on, on the table or on the desk before this kid who was like, oh my gosh, like I really have my own rosary. Oh yeah, you know. And I made sure that like the boy and the other boy mm-hmm. who were going to get rosaries from me got the two battle bead rosaries. Yeah, you know, no, because that's why <laughs> caveat. Yeah. That's why like men don't carry rosaries. Is because too often we give them these these 
feminine rosaries. And man doesn't want to carry yeah. around pink beads that look like flowers. He wants to carry around something made of metal and that doesn't break. And like, this is a gift uh, uh, family of uh, uh, parishioners, the kings, one, one gave of those, to me. One of those paracord Yeah, one of those rosaries. paracord rosaries. Same company that makes the battle beads. Yeah, of course. It's very nice. And like, and it's made with parachute cord, uh, 550 cord. What we... I jumped out of airplanes, and that's the stuff that was attached to my parachute. That's so cool, dude. It's so cool. And, like... That's a rockin' rosary. Yeah, I'm very blessed. Shout out to the kings and mm. everything you do. So God bless you guys. But the... um, But, like, I... It's funny how, like, this stuff keeps coming up. We're doing this thing where we're teaching the kids at St. E's now on a, on a weekly basis. The priests are. We have set times, and it's only, like, 20 minutes each week, but it's it's good. Yeah. And, like... I got the, um, the the lower grades, and I was like, well, how do I hold the lower grades' attention in that? And again, by the, the work of the Holy Spirit, I was like, ah, show and tell. Hmm. And I literally like looked around oh, my nice. room, yeah. and I took my, my beret, my maroon beret that I got for being a paratrooper off, oh, off wow. my shelf, and I took um, a little miniature um, Athenian helmet that I had as a souvenir f- for West Point. Oh, and, nice. Okay. And it's a symbol of West Point, the crest. And then right. and I grabbed uh, this wonderful rosary. Mm-hmm. And I did show and tell with the kiddos with like this cool stuff. And That's great. You know, like, anyone know why I, I have this beret, what I got it for? Because you used to jump out of boats. I used to jump out of something. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep going. Boats. That's awesome. Because you flew airplanes. No. <laughs> but it involved airplanes, airplanes. Airplanes flew me. Now put the two together. I jumped out of a perfectly good airplane. Yeah. Sometimes so, helicopters. Yeah. Anyways. So I. it is interesting that we're all of a sudden landing in the sacramentals thing again. But you <laughs> you touched on it, though, because you're talking about Ash Wednesday. Like, that is entirely the point yeah. of sacramentals. Mm-hmm is to bring you close to that that deep richness of, for, for one thing, on one level of tra- a tradition, home, you know, well, home, what does the word mean, you know? <laughs> okay, sure, it might, it might mean U.S. of A. for some of us, but hopefully those of us who take it seriously, it also means something else. Yeah. It means something deeper. It please God. And then there's, I mean, like that rosary, that, that Argentinian rosary, like... I'm not going to make excuses and say there wasn't time in Afghanistan to pray the rosary. We were busy. Um, yeah. And it was, and I wasn't a priest or a monk. Like it wasn't per se like my job to, to pray, although ever you should pray all, at all times. And I even remember like, I think it was after some combat or something. And, and being like, man, I should pray more. <laughs> and you're just like, and it's just like a yeah. passing thought yeah. through your skull. And yeah. you're like, I'm, I'm, we're working through this now. Like we got to deal with the aftermath of this. And you're right. like, and I should pray more. And I'm like, and there's that part of me that's like, well, I'm not wrong, but right. like yeah. help. But, yeah. but like, I remember second deployment, those, those Argentinian, that Argentinian rosary. Sure. And on that note, on that note of like, I should pray more. I, I remember stepping out. I was done with a shift in, in the talk in the tactical operations center. Right. And I had my radio and I was just like, I need, and you know, what's a funny thing? Like, you know, they, they tell all the jokes in like 1984 and, and any dystopian novel or anything, but it's true. Sure. People don't really look up or down. Like you never really exploring your surroundings. 
And the more imagination you lack or the more focused you are on a task, the less you are interested. I mean, Shawshank Redemption has that great line, how often do you look at another man's shoes? You know, because uh, the main character there is, who's in jail steals the the uh, the warden's shoes mm. and nobody notices because he puts them on and walks out with them. And and they and they say out loud, you know, how did he do that? Well, how often do you actually look at another man's shoes? Huh. I'm sure ladies do it all the time, but the uh, but for <laughs> sure. a man, it's not a common thing. Sure. And, and a lot of times, we just don't look up. And I can't even remember when it was because it, it had been months. I hadn't realized this, but I looked up at the night sky in Afghanistan, and there's no light. There's there's no ambient light. There's no power lines, so you don't have twenty four seven you know street lamps or anything like that. You're out in the middle of the of nowheresville, Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And I looked up and I could see the Milky Way, hmm. and it it blew my mind. Like I could just see all these all these all these stars. Right. You know, if you could count them, you could number your descendants, kind of thing. <laughs> and <laughs> that's appropriate. And and I and I took my rosary and. I had my rifle on my shoulder, and I, I was wearing my. Um, I wasn't in any any battle rattle, no army kit or anything. I was just in my uh, my combat fatigues, and and I had my hat on, and I walked into the supply uh, depot, which wasn't that far away. It was maybe oh, I don't know, twenty meters, maybe maybe thirty. And I could see off to my left, and it was moon. The moon was out, so like we were illuminated. Mm-hmm. And like that thing does make a, like when you didn't have the moon in the night, and you were going around on a blacked out uh, combat outpost, like you had to know your footing, or you had to have a red light because because it was pitch. Sure. I mean, it was just dark. And but if you had the moon, like it was amazing the difference that that thing makes. We we don't notice it because we live in in urban environments principally, right? Or, or we're close enough to them that, like, the ambient light oh, yeah. blurs it, everything out. Oh, yeah. It's amazing how even being, you know, like, 20, 20 miles out, out of Fort Wayne, you can still see where Fort Wayne is. Oh, yeah. Over there, you can see the freaking lights. And you can't see the stars, <laughs> yeah. or, or, or right. only a few of them, only right. the brightest. Lots of light pollution. Right. Yeah. Again, it's a real thing. And I'm not, I'm not opposed to, to no, just, electronic just, lights. It's just how it is. It's just how it yeah. is. Yeah. But out there in Afghanistan, like, suddenly, like, you, are, you know what it means to be illumined by moonlight. Yeah. And and to see the Milky Way and and to have this sense of awe at creation. Mm-hmm. And I walked into the supply depot and I could see off to my left uh, one of the guard towers. And I took my rifle off my shoulder. And I was sort of making good on that thought that I'm pretty sure had come to me in the first deployment. At this point, probably about a year and a half before I had come back. And I took my rifle and I set it down off to the side. And I took my hat off. I threw that down next to me, and I knelt down, and I took my radio off, and I just turned it down so I could just hear if anything came on, and I put that off to my side, too. And the thought sort of clicked, and it was funny. It's, it sort of said, you know, like, you're taking a risk. If something flies over the wire and hits you, like, nobody knows where you are. And if it knocks out your radio or you can't reach it, you'll bleed to death before anyone finds you or things to go looking for you. Sure. Um, and it's just one of those funny things, and you're like, yeah... And like a part of me is like, that might just be like the devil because I was going to pray the rosary. And I got down on my knees, uh, you know, surrounded like by plywood and nails and, and construction equipment. And I pulled out these beads that had come from South America. And here I am in Central Asia and I'm from North America. 
and, <laughs> and, and but my people had come from Italy and Slovakia and Germany. Yeah, he's got the and, whole world in his hands, well, from what I understand. Like, it's such a weird thing when you think about, like, what an odd conglomeration of material and, and, and people. And, and, and now you're in this weird sort of spiritual topography. Mm. And now I can see the stars as mankind had always seen them up until Edison. <laughs> and, um, thanks a lot, Edison. I'm not knocking Edison. <laughs> the guy had problems to be uh, sure, yeah, but, sure. but again, like I like the, the, the incandescent light bulb, sure. but the, <laughs> but, but there I am. And so there I was and I prayed <laughs> the rosary brother. And it was one of the most wonderful rosaries in my life. Mm. And I only ever did that twice that entire year mm. on that outpost. And I remember the other time too, and it was just as good. It was just as sweet. Mm -hmm. And I remember being on my knees and thinking of Christ kneeling on the rock in Gethsemane. And, and I remember praying for my for the guy in that tower who was guarding us and, and all the towers and, and for the unit and for the company that was out there in the bush and for the Afghans who were with us, mm. uh, who we were quote unquote training. Um, and, but whose lives were in danger just like ours and, and just praying for poor bloody Afghanistan and all these these other things just sort of swirling as as I rolled the beads through my fingers and then merging it with Gethsemane and with the cross and stuff. And and then I, I put that down and I put it back in my pocket and then I picked up my gun and I picked up my hat and I put my radio back on my belt and I went back and I went, think I went back to my uh back to my hooch. I went back to sleep in my uh my little room in my yeah. shack. And and I did that, like I said, one other night. And like I was I was offering God something. Like I know I should pray more. Like and maybe I could do even more. And but maybe I can't. And like and this is but this is what I got right now. Mm -hmm. And and that's anywhere. Like that doesn't have to just happen in Afghanistan, mind you. Right. But that was a thing. It, that was a thing. That's the, you know that climate that's there in that situation. Mm-hmm. Like, hopefully you realize, maybe maybe in retrospect is the only way you can really realize it, that how redemptive that really is, you know, allowing the rosary to be prayed in a largely Muslim country with the possibility of dying in the middle of doing it, always like, hanging over you. It was, it was a, such an interesting moment in my life, like I'll never forget it, mm -hmm. being, being, you know, illumined by moonlight. I, you know, in, in a cop that's relatively small, uh, with maybe 80 or 90 people on it. And yet I had found a quiet place on this, on this little base in the middle of the night or as, yeah, I guess it must've been like 10 or 11 by then or <laughs> 2,300 and the, uh, and then just praying. Yeah. And, and it was such a, it was such a gift. It was such a gift. Those two moments. And you're just like, I know he hears me. I know he's, I know he's listening to whatever it is I'm saying. And right. you mentioned that, like, like I remember finding, so there were places, there were, there were reservation chapels in Afghanistan where the Blessed Sacrament was in repose. Wow. And they were on the bigger bases. And the Jesus bread. Yeah. The Jesus bread. The, uh, that's a reference to, uh, 
one of our shout out to Father Dennis McManus, who who in Afghanistan was talking to or not Afghanistan and Iraq yeah. was talking to an Iraqi who asked him about the Jesus bread, yep. uh, referring to the Eucharist. If I knew that there were the Jesus bread was, I would never leave the room with the Jesus bread. Mm-hmm. Well, and and you you believe in the Jesus bread? Why why are you, why are you here? Why in are my you country? here? And and so there, so I was I was going through Kabul. I think I was coming back from leave, and like again, and like there's Jesus Christ, and I found him. I found him in in this little side chapel, and there's the there's the red candle, and and there's this tabernacle, and I just knelt down, and I just prayed, and I was struck, and this thought came to me was like he he had he had come to Afghanistan. <laughs> Kind of thing he had. Jesus Christ had come to Afghanistan, and what a gift that was! That strangely enough, the U.S. Army had given to the Savior of Humanity, whether they had realized it or not. That Mass had now been celebrated inside of Afghanistan thousands of times now. Right. right. Again, there were only twelve priests when I was there the first time. I think there were nine priests the second, hmm. and and there he was just sitting on a little piece of dusty Asia that hadn't seen him ever, maybe, ever. And and even though I had come halfway around the world, I, I literally could kneel and worship the living God physically present in this, in the Orient. And, and there was something like, again, like, I, I don't want to merge my country and my God, so I won't. But like, there was something wonderful about America in that moment too, mm-hmm. that like had had provided my country had made sure had made sure that somehow this would happen, mm-hmm. that like worship could continue, and and I was so grateful, so grateful to be a member of such an army mm-hmm. and and such a country. And I probably wouldn't have verbalized it like that then, but I would like. Yeah, and it wasn't even pride. It was just like gratitude. No, but I mean, the the nation and the army of our nation became a secondary cause for for God's presence <laughs> in that moment. Cool. You know? yeah, yeah, spot on. Yeah, um, and I was talking about sacraments. I mean, right. I remember making a confession. The I remember the the, the chaplain came and said mass once on. on <laughs> Let me tell you about the chaplains who would visit us. Um, the first, first deployment, we had a, a Nigerian, uh, okay. a Nigerian priest who had come to America, uh, who had entered the army and now he was deployed to Afghanistan and, <laughs> and, and he had, he had come to Sabari. The night was June 5th and, and that was, that was the night of the biggest fight I'd ever been in, or rather technically it was June 6th. It was. It started around like one o'clock in the morning, June sixth, huh. and but we always referred to it as the night of June fifth. It wasn't until I like started realizing like my ordination date that like it clicked, and I was like, "Oh, that was actually June sixth, and mm-hmm. the morning of." Yep. And and D Day and D Day. So there was a lot of lot, beautiful. God doesn't make mistakes. Yeah. Um. The, and so he had come the the night of June fifth, and he said mass, and I had attended mass. And then we had all bunkered down for the night. And I remember after after the, the battle had taken place, battle might be too strong a word. Maybe not. It was pretty intense. Um, 
like we're in the midst of like just trying to morning comes the enemy's gone beaten uh either 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 killed or 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 fled and um and we're and we're just in the mix of trying to get things put together we got light to work with now and we're cleaning up the mess and and i remember putting this chaplain on a helicopter and getting him it was just one more thing to do like there wasn't any personal contact with it again like i didn't even really think about the fact that he was a priest maybe i should have I, I wasn't rude or anything but it was just like okay i need to get these personnel off and then we'll move on to whatever else we have to do right then but like that was the moment and i put the man on a bird i, I maybe said two words to him maybe and and off they went and i went on to the next thing mm-hmm. um and and then i come back home and that was oh nine and then in 13 uh, 2013, uh, I've been spending a lot of time in the chapel praying about my vocation and that sort of thing. And I think I mentioned this in, in that vocation episode. But the chaplain asked me, he says, why do I see you here so often? I said, well, I, I've got this. I'm getting out of the army. They made up a job for me that I can do first half of the day, and I got all this extra time, so I come here and I pray before our blessed Lord. He says, what do you plan on doing when you get out of the army? And I said, well, I think I want your job. And and he put me in contact with Gaelic, the vocation director. And then he looked at me, you know, he said, what did you do? Gaelic the- has come up like three different times today for me. Oh, really? It's really very, in three completely different situations. This is just very funny. So continue. Well, no, there's no such thing as coincidence. Yeah. Pay attention to that. Yeah. But the, uh, tell me once we're done with the podcast, what you think it means. But I, I, um, he said, where, what did you do when you got here? He says, where, where else have you been? I said, I haven't been anywhere. I've been in Afghanistan and Alaska this whole time, my whole career. And he said, where were you in, in Afghanistan? I said, back in 09, I was in Sabari. His eyes got real big. He said, Sabari? I said, yeah. He says, I was saying mass on Sabari June 5th when that oh big attack happened. Gosh. I was like, you're the guy. You're the, you're the priest oh, wow. who was on that outpost. I said, no way. And he had just so happened. He hadn't been in our unit. He hadn't been in Alaska, I don't think. And now he had been transferred into the unit that I was getting out of. I don't think Alaska. you told me this story. Oh, well, I think anyways. you might have left this detail out. But that's astonishing i know right yeah well, it's a small army as we always say but yeah. but there he was oh, sure. and and he was helping me coordinate so this guy who had said mass the night before the big attack was now helping me basically coordinate tr- starting to get into seminary and then the second go around i remember making a confession and it was like the most bleary sleep deprived thing mm-hmm. and and again it was such a gray day and like you could smell like sort of the the smoke from the burn pit where you would burn like documents and CDs and stuff that were <laughs> classified and right and uh and it was just like this almost like surreal kind of thing um where it felt more like a, a concentration camp than a combat outpost <laughs> sure but the, it's just one of those days right and like again like sometimes like the air Dan like you walk down the street and you'll just this sounds really weird, but like just the way the air temperature is and the way like you might catch sort of like the tang of garbage in your nostrils reminds me of the place. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. It's just so strange. Yeah. And and so so I just remember making this. It was like the first time I realized as I made this confession was like how banal sin was and like <laughs> to this to this here i am in the middle of afghanistan with all my not all my problems but but some of my old problems and and 
And here's this also this like sleep deprived chaplain, Catholic priest, who just listens and gives me a penance and absolves me. Mm-hmm. And it was just over. It was over like that. Honestly, he didn't drag it out. We didn't have time to drag anything out. And and, and sometimes you know there's a, a good place for a, a certain level of counseling and confession. Fine, but but like this was he just needs to move on. I just need to be absolved. And, and like, as, as I roll the sins off mechanically, and as he basically responds, I don't want to say mechanically, there was sympathy, but, mm-hmm. but basically like, yeah, no, I got you. Okay, here it is. And here's your penance and give me your act of contrition. Like it was so dusty and, and human. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I'll remember that confession. I don't even per se even remember exactly what I confessed, but I will remember like that chaplain and that confession for a super long time. Yeah. And the chaplains, man, shout out to the chaplains who gave so much. There was a chaplain who had illegally been on two deployments back to back. He had spent two years uh, in Iraq. Whoa. And then and he had spent... He could, to care for the guys. To take to care for the guys. He had even illegally flown back in on a civilian flight. And and then and he now he was in Afghanistan with us. That's how I learned all these stories. Oh my gosh. Short little Italian priest from New York <laughs> and lieutenant colonel, as a matter of fact. Hmm. And he just didn't care. Like he had all these tattoos up and down his arms. He must have been a heck of a kid back in the day. And <laughs> the um uh, and man, like that's crazy. He was crazy. Uh and he was old too. He was in his late sixties, lieutenant colonel running around the world celebrating sacraments. And that's nuts. Yeah. That was nuts. <laughs> he was nuts. Like they just walk around sometimes with like his shirt off to go like get information. You're just like, wow, this guy's absolutely out of his mind. But <laughs> Catholic priest, yeah, valid yeah. sacraments. Yeah. Um and it, like that's the other side of it too. Like, and a lieutenant colonel. Like this guy is just absolutely just so doesn't care. I loved yeah. him to death. Um that's awesome. Everybody knew him. Like his name would get passed around. <laughs> Small army. Yeah. And Started with a C. I can't remember what it is now. But hmm. uh and and they changed the mass too. Changed the mass in quotes. The uh, oh, the, the translation changed. Yeah, in eleven. In right? eleven. Yep. And we didn't have anything. We didn't have any cards or nothing. So when the chaplains came to celebrate mass, I, I told them, I said, I, we have zero idea right. what the correct response is. So just go with whatever we say. He said, okay. And yeah. like, and so it was, you know, the Lord be with you and also with you. And his eyebrows sort of went out. I, was, I sort of like gestured like, ah. yeah, come on, ta-da. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just go, just give us the, give us, yep. give us the Jesus bread and we'll yeah. move on. <laughs> oh yeah. Give us the Jesus bread. Well, actually that's the thing is like, that's something you can always tell when people haven't been around for, for mass mm-hmm. in, in a while. Like you go to do like a burial. Uh, and and you say the Lord be with you, and they and say and, and also, also with, with you. you. Oh, so it's been that long. I gotcha. And you can't make any facial look because like you're dealing no, with no, like no. And, you know, <laughs> they mean well. Again, they do. Not, they do. They want to do the right thing by their by their loved the right one thing. who's who's passed. But right. it's just sort of funny. You can always tell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can always tell. Well, again, like that was just right as it happened, and we had nothing. Yeah. Like they hadn't shipped oh, in no, anything. No. Oh, like there's no way to. They weren't gonna either for a while. No, we were, and so we're just like looking at each other. Come on, man, just go. And the um. I told you this before we start. <laughs> yeah, one of the one of the perks to <laughs> one of the perks to to silently spoken mass, you know. Yeah. Well, anyway, <laughs> it was fine. Mass was valid. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. received the sacrament. Praise God. It's true. The um, and it was just such a. I don't know, man. Uh, why do I tell you all this? I don't know. Mm. Like, maybe it's you know catharsis. Maybe it's yeah. you know just an attempt to explain. 
like how the faith can live right in such a in such an interesting part of the world maybe it's so okay yeah yeah trials right, right. trials uh, we've talked about trials in in various and sundry ways on this show just so many different times there there's a there's a sort of famous quote from pope benedict from from i don't i don't know if he was while he was pope or when he was just just cardinal ratzinger yeah but he was talking about the state of the church, right? So as far as trials go, okay, mm-hmm. one thing. He says, this is something that was passed on to me by by another priest friend today. Um, yeah. And he says, we will soon have priests reduced to the role of social workers <laughs> and the message of faith reduced to political vision. Everything will seem lost. Sounds like Cardinal Ratzinger. Yeah, on. probably. He was, he was a little tamer later on. But <laughs> uh, everything will seem lost. But at the right time, at the most dramatic stage of the crisis, the church will be reborn. She will be smaller, poorer, almost catacomal, um, but also more holy because it will no longer be the church of those who seek to please the world, but the church of the faithful to God and his eternal law. Rebirth will be the work of a small rest, seemingly insignificant yet indomitable, passed through a process of purification, because that's how God works against evil a small herd resists. So, you know, trials are out there to put us in the place of, okay, so are you serious about this holiness thing? Mm-hmm. Are you serious about this holiness thing? And that was my response to this particular. It was a couple priests in a in a chat. Like, yeah, we better, you know, um, you know, for whatever you think about about where the priesthood is right now in the world, um, there everybody's got problems. But whatever those problems are, it doesn't change like the mission of holiness. And it's, it's not just not just for the priesthood either. It's it's for everybody. Um, and I mean, I. You know, we 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 talk about this topic over and over again. How trials and holiness are absolutely connected, and it's like, you know, that this is. I wanted to bring this up because mm-hmm. of something of something you said in in regard to, like, you know, that that place of, um, that that I guess, uh, the thing we discussed about that sort of very redemptive moment of of like you going and and somewhat putting yourself at risk to go pray the rosary, mm-hmm. um, like. Okay, the holiness that's there. Like, do we do we really are we really reliant on that? You mm-hmm. know, or and are we really participating in that? Um, it it can be really easy to sort of think that we already are doing it, <laughs> <laughs> um, even if we're not. And it can be really easy to sort of dismiss it. There was a, one of the gospels this week was were like the three the three things in the way of people attaining the kingdom of heaven. The you know the the um, uh, the the marriage party the um, the wedding uh, the wedding feast right in what so, context uh, so where, where he uh, inviting inviting guests and to nobody the feast. comes and he they, burns they, those rebel cities right and, so yeah they yeah. either they either turn back to what they were doing or they kill the servants who were sent to come and, and fetch mm-hmm. the guests mm-hmm. or they or they don't come prepared when they do come right so like either it's indifference or opposition or or uh, incomplete conversion mm. right so like those are the basic categories of the enemies to holiness. Mm, so that's good. Dan. Yeah. Well, you know, I thought about it a little bit, yeah. but anyway, and and it was um, it was Saint Jude's Saint. Uh, sorry, not Saint, Saint, Jude, Saint, Saint John, John Hughes. Saint John Hughes's feast day. J Hughes. J Hughes. <laughs> My bro, J Hughes. Yeah. Um, and he, in his life, very very clearly, did things that were directly contrary to those three enemies of of the kingdom. Oh yeah. 
So I mean, um, indifference. Okay, setting up seminaries, um, setting up halfway houses for prostitutes, mm-hmm. setting up. You know, uh, I can't remember the third thing that I mentioned. Well, he took care of the the plague years too. Right. Yeah. That's that mm-hmm. was the other thing, and then. Um, and then uh, opposition, uh, intellectual giant fought against the Jansenists, mm-hmm. Jansenist heretics. Um, and the then, sacred and immaculate heart. And then that was the last one that was fighting against mm-hmm. the uh, um, uh, the incomplete conversion. And the only place we get complete conversion is is through the sacred hearts of Jesus and Mary. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's that's how we refer to them, by the way, the sacred hearts of Jesus and Mary. I know, I know it's so, an old school term. So, yeah. Anyway, so anyway, just like there are tools for fighting. Yeah. You know, <laughs> well, now we're back yeah. to spiritual warfare. Yeah, well, I mean, all these things are connected. Right, so. of course they are. Of course but. they are, because Catholicism ties everything up. Everything is Catholicism. So, it's of course, true. everything is connected. It's true. No, it, final note. Like, again, so, like, the loss of Afghanistan hurts. But I tell you what I take a great deal of comfort from was literally the fact that the Eucharist was present in Afghanistan for 20 years. mm and, you know, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. And, like, those 20 years, simply having him present in that space, in that part of the world, in that geography, in that spiritual topography, has had some kind of impact that you can't, and I can't, even begin to fathom mm-hmm. or imagine. Oh, yeah. Like, God it's, is, is the, ha- the half-life of that particular mm-hmm. bomb is, is, is pretty It's pretty, it's pretty potent. Yeah. So, like, that, that makes it, into some degree all worth it kind of thing. Yeah. It's at least tolerable for, yeah. for what it is for the time. I mean, not that I know what to I, the, part of the, part of the reason why I was so silent through all this is because I don't really have anything to say. Oh, thanks. I mean, <laughs> well, no, I just mean, I, I've never been in combat. I've never been in the military. So no, but I mean, I, you, you haven't said anything that makes you ignorant sound, doesn't reveal your ignorance. Yeah, right. and, and you've said some very thoughtful, profound things. You and I, Again, like that's just how we are. You, I I just talk, and and you like think about what you're going to say. Well, well, the wearfather, Stephen, and it comes out much better than anything <laughs> I ever say. But be that as it may, this is friendship. It's that that we cover down on each other. That's all I know. Yeah. Just like old times. It's you have good. some idea of the military. I have an idea. Anyway, this is this is the Davis Vault podcast. Yeah, I'm Father Dan Kale. I'm Father Stephen Felicia, and uh, we're still praying for you. Please, oh, yeah. please keep praying for us. And pray for us. And pray, pray for Afghanistan and the people there. Yeah. They're going through hell. Yeah, but as... And, through, and for our veterans. Mm-hmm. You know what uh, Churchill said? He said, when you're going through hell, keep going. Chin <laughs> <laughs> uh, up, soldiers. Yeah. It's not over till it's over. Yep. And then it, only, and then it truly begins. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Facebook, Instagram, email us, you know the deal. God bless you, and day is full. Well.